You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy an interview with Pastor Kevin Myers, Prayer Unscripted. Welcome to 12 Stone, everybody. Welcome here at the Central Campus. Welcome uh, to all of our great campuses. Welcome to our online experience as well. We're glad you're here. My name is Chris. I'm glad to be here. Prepare yourselves for the experience of the kingdom of heaven at hand. We're going to talk about prayer today. If you've been around for a few weeks, then you know we've been talking about the vision of the church. And Pastor Kevin's been reminding us that the vision has to be rooted in prayer. In other words, we may know what God's called us to do, what he think he's called us to do, but we need his power. We need his presence. We need his authority. We need the leadership of his spirit upon our lives and that's where you find that's what you find in prayer so we're going to invite you to it today we're going to talk about it but i want to make a really important statement right here at the top here it goes prayer is not powerful when we talk about it prayer is powerful when we engage god in it but when we engage god in it anything is possible And you may be like, well, Chris, that's awesome because my life feels kind of impossible right now. Well, we want to push back the path to God, the God of possibility, and make that a wider path if we can. It's like uh, the the angel uh, Gabriel came to uh, the mother of Jesus when he was going to tell her that uh, she was pregnant with, with the Messiah. He said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And so that's the God that we seek in prayer. So listen, I want to tell you a story right here at the top of the day. It's a story from 1857. There was a gentleman named Jeremiah Lanfear, lived in New York City. He was a businessman, but he came to Christ. And sometime after coming to Christ, he basically took a position, full-time ministry position. It was a modest position uh, as a bit of a missionary slash pastor. In a, to a community in New York City. There was a church there in that community and it was diminishing. They were thinking about closing the doors, but then they thought rather than closing the doors, we'll hire this guy to see if he can revitalize the spiritual temperature of the community. And so Mr. Jeremiah did what he knew to do. He went out and he began to evangelize. He began to tell people about Jesus with very little result. So he became maybe discouraged but he had a moment of clarity and he said, rather than going out and revitalizing or trying to revitalize the community spiritually, why don't I invite some people to pray? And from 12 noon to one o'clock, once a week, we'll have a prayer meeting and we'll ask God to lend his power to revitalize the community spiritually. So that's what he did. He set a date, he found a room, He got everything ready, made some handbills, made some posters, began to invite everybody he knew to invite to create some momentum. September 23rd was the day, 12 noon arrives, and bam, nobody shows up. He's all alone. So Mr. Jeremiah climbs the the steps up to that third floor room, and he begins to pray by himself. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, at 12.30, 
he, he, he hears the steps creaking, you know, there's a single soul coming up the steps. So one man comes, another comes, another comes. There ended up being six people that showed up that first day and they prayed. They didn't have long because they were right at the end of their time, but they made the quality decision. Hey, let's do this again next week. So that's what they did. And the next week arrived and six turned into 20. And then 20, the next week turned into 40. Now Mr. Jeremiah is gonna add a little faith. He gets kind of fired up. He thinks God's moving. So he decides we're gonna get a bigger room. And we're gonna do this every day. Instead of once a week, every day. I thought that was a pretty profound move of faith. But what he didn't know was is later that week, the biggest financial crisis ever in the history of the nation up to that point was gonna hit the markets. And it did. And when it did, panic. And when panic came, people began to flood and into this prayer meeting such that in a very short time, just a few weeks, they went from that humble six to 3,000 people a day were praying. Well, then the newspapers got wind of it, and the newspapers began to report this move of God that's starting to kick up in the city. And when they reported it, it, it actually left that one meeting and turned to multiple meetings. Multiple people began to hold meetings at the same hour and began to pray such that in a very short period of time, again, 10,000 people now are praying. 10,000 people a day in New York City, nonetheless, are praying. And the move of God begins to escape the city. It doesn't leave the city, but it escapes and it goes down south and it heads out west such that in a two-year period, every town between New York City and the Pacific Ocean fell under the weight of the move of God in prayer. And estimates differ wildly, but they say somewhere between 300,000 and 1 million people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a two-year period. Yeah, you can clap for that. And so I remind you, prayer is not powerful when we talk about it. Prayer is powerful when we engage God in it. And we know it's powerful when hundreds and thousands of people begin to pray unified. We see supernatural movements of the power of God. We want to see that, but to get to there, we need to remember that it started with the one. And we got a room full of ones. I'm a one. We're going to talk to the ones today and to all the ones we want to again push back the, the gates of prayer and say uh, and invite you into his presence. For listen, the hour, the hour for radical seeking of God is now here. So I think that's all I wanted to say. We invite you to the prayer movement. And we're gonna talk about prayer today, so why don't you do this? If you'll stand to your feet, I'm gonna pray, and then uh, Pastor Kevin's gonna come, and we're gonna begin our day together talking about prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your great invitation to us, the kingdom invitation, not just to know you through Jesus, but to engage you, God, through Jesus. That because of Jesus, we can have a life not just about you, but we can actually have a life with you. And in that, God, prayer is a, a foundational piece. God, would you today open the, uh, our eyes, open the, our understanding so, God, that we see it more clearly and we can walk more enthusiastically toward it and in it. And in walking in that, God, we're really walking towards you. So we pray over our day. 
May your kingdom come and may your will be done. We ask you for that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, we're very excited to uh, be here today and jump into the summer with this conversation around prayer. And when you get into the summer, what you think about is, is, is just building better relationship. What is, your, what is your next in relationship? And you, you, you hope that for your marriage. You hope that with your kids. You, maybe you hope that with some friends. And maybe you hope that with your small group. Just more hang time. Uh, maybe, maybe at the park or maybe in the backyard or, or maybe at the beach or maybe you're in the boat or maybe, maybe, maybe out on the mountainside. Wherever you like to go hang out. And so why not? Why not invest in the most important relationship of all, your relationship with your heavenly father? That this should be the season of time where we go deeper with him, not further from him. So I got a, a prayer partner who sent along a, a scripture this weekend. It's over in Colossians chapter four. Go ahead, grab your Bibles, everybody. Let's turn there, Colossians chapter four. I'm on page 1185. I just want to read a couple of verses to kind of launch our, our engagement in prayer. And, and he sent this to me early Saturday morning. When I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's where, that's where we're going today. That's what we're praying. And it, it, Colossians chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Everybody say that with me across campuses. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to the church. Kind of final instructions. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And then he goes on again. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You know, pray, pray, pray. Man, if we knew what Paul knew about prayer, we would we would devote ourselves. We knew what Jesus knew about prayer. We would devote ourselves. So we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and encourage each other to go the next level. And this looks like an interesting setup because I'm on stage here with Chris Morgan, with Jason Berry. And um, wow, we had, a, we had plans. I had plans all set for the weekend when I was going to teach. And I was talking with Chris uh, a, week, a couple weeks ago. And, and I was going to use Chris a little bit in the dialogue, kind of an interviewee thing as part of the, the weekend. And then Chris asked a great and now annoying question. And he's like, um, PK, how come nobody ever interviews you? How come you interview everybody else? So, I don't know, man. I never thought about that before. And I'm not, I don't want to think about it again now. Um, <laughs> so uh, we ended up with a sense that this might be pleasing to God. And so turn it over to you guys. So Jason, let's <laughs> talk about how that played out. For the first time in 12 Stone history, you're done with your notes, and we got plenty of time left in the service, right? Yeah, because I, I don't know what it, yeah. There's nothing else. So here's the deal. You didn't know any of the questions we were going to ask you. Yeah. Right hand up to God. I have to do the... And left hand on the Bible. Just really? I got to do this because I'm not trustworthy otherwise? I just want to make sure we don't get struck. <laughs> I know you the subject. no idea. No we idea. We didn't give you any questions in advance. No prep, no questions in Nothing. advance. Have no idea. All totally unscripted. Correct. There. You feel better about that? Does I, that help you? I've always wanted to swear someone in. I yeah, just got a chance just did. To, okay. to do it. Uh, but here's the thing that's, that's, that's challenging. As we process this week, if we were going to do that, and we were going to surprise you, you only get to surprise somebody once, right? Like you don't get two surprise birthday parties. You know what's coming. You only get to surprise somebody once. And so we thought it would be, uh, we thought we'd be attending to the Spirit of God if we would be uh, allowing the nine o'clock service 
to sit all day because God did some things uniquely last service that we didn't want to try to reproduce or recreate and we wanted to, to be attentive to what happened at the nine. And so today I wanna encourage you, get your pens, get your bulletins out, get your Bibles out because we think God is gonna spark something in the soul of this church concerning prayer. And we're gonna lean into what God did at the nine o'clock service and I'm so excited for you to do this. So check out what God did at 9 a.m. So today's gonna be different, 12 Stone. I want you to take notes. I want you to jump in. I think the Spirit of God is going to move, and I think God is going to awaken us to what prayer looks like in this church. And so, Kevin, I want to start here. In this moment, you don't have to be pastor. You can just be spiritual father. You can just talk to us. Okay. So as you look back at your journey, maybe early on, can you remember a moment or a story or an instance where God showed up in a way that made you say, oh, my goodness, prayer works. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this will have more pauses than it usually does on a weekend. <laughs> uh, I was 13, 14 years old. I was at a uh, church camp, and somebody else uh, bought our way to church camp every year. Mm. And a guy was, due, was a guest singer and he had physical handicaps. And it struck me, he quoted scripture and said, oh, from scripture, why is this one guy born blind? And he said, uh, God revealed to me when I was a boy asking him to heal me. When he chose not to heal me, he said that the works of God might be made manifest in you. And he said, my life exists uh, for God to use it for his glory. And he talked about the power of prayer and worship. And then he was selling cassette tapes of his music. And I had a little bit of fun money that this donor had made available. And for me, it was a large sum of money. And I remember, uh, I got to do something with this fun money. And it's really going to buy me stuff and food and, you know, candy and gum. And I felt pressed to, to buy the tapes. And I bought the tapes. And, I, and it, it occurred to me, I, I'm going to have to make exchanges if I want to know God. Mm. And then I, I had extra time. And I would go on a, a, alone and a little cassette, big cassette tape, and I would listen to that music, and it's where I learn uh, to worship. Mm. Mm. Some, some of the most uh, intimate moments happened when I was like 13, 14, because I got alone out in the woods at the campground and I listened to worship and I began to talk to God and he began to speak things into me that the life I have could be better if I would pray. Josh was probably 12 years old. I've had all these experiences with God alone. I was trying to disciple him Teach him to pray. We were at McDonald's. We'd meet each week at McDonald's. And, and it kept being uh, informational. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. I remember one morning I got up. I said, God, I'm so tired of trying to tell my son what it's like to be in your presence. Would you just show up sometime? 
that morning, we're at McDonald's. We get our breakfast and I, I try to start talking to him. God descends, I'm a mess like I am right now. And my son starts tearing. And the two of us ate breakfast without a word. We just kept drying tears. God like took a corner of McDonald's and he descended. When we got done with breakfast, I said, Josh, that's what I mean about the presence of God. If you will engage his presence, if you'll walk into his intimacy, you're talking with God, but it's not something you do. It's someone you walk with. Man, I, I don't know if he's ever been the same. He's a dad now, and I watch him do it. Anyhow, I don't know what I'm supposed to be saying. Well, there's, there's tons of mystery around that very topic, around the voice of God, about hearing from God. We hear people say those kind of things. And so what can you say about the experience of that? Like, it really comes down to, you know, how do you know you've heard from God in prayer? What's the experience of that like? You know, I... I try and hide this right here, this mess that I already am. <laughs> so I can be fairly controlled on a Sunday when I teach. You guys are messing me up. <laughs> We're not doing this again, probably. When I was nine years old uh, and came to faith, I remember uh, crawling up on my mom's lap. And I, I was crying. Like, man, what's wrong with me? I said, I think God's telling me that everything in the Bible is true, and I know it. I'm just nine, and I want to come to Jesus. So I prayed to receive Jesus in the service on her lap. And I kept crying. I'm like, why am I crying? And mom says, sometimes uh, when God descends, it's so intimate that it just messes you up. Well, he does that all the time, and when I say all the time, every time I pray, oh, I cried, I'm a no, but when I'm alone with God and he chooses to do that, um, that's, it, it's, it's an awareness of his presence with me. Other times it's excited and grateful, other times it's just truth, and, and my soul celebrates the truth of God, and there's an intimacy in that, I, I don't know, I, I, but I get messed up, and I really try uh, not to do that publicly. So. <laughs> But talk about the voice of God. I mean, obviously, when God descends and you, 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 know, you go into tears, that's a different level of depth. Get me back to the surface a little bit, because I know that you would say that I sensed a prompt or a nudge, or I, yeah. you know, God's directing, but it's not all the way down to tears. And nope, it's not. In fact, it's usually anchored in that. What I find that is if I would spend time with God uh, privately, then um, he would normalize it publicly mm. so that everywhere I go, um, he could interrupt at any moment because he's right there. Mm -hmm. So I get, the, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, can I just say stuff that comes? So, <laughs> sure. because so, this will sound wrong, but I'm at the grocery store two days ago and I'm about to get in line. I just got a couple things, and the lady has a few things, not much, and, and she gets 
she, I'm going to get in line. And I said, go ahead. She says, no, you go ahead. She said, I have more than you. I said, it's no big deal. We have this little, and I'm, I have to go in front of her. And I'm like, I feel uncomfortable going in front of her. And I give cash and, and, and right in that moment, God says, now buy her groceries. Oh, so I just handed the rest of the cash and said, buy her groceries, give her the change and walked out. Now, is that a prompt of God? I thought so. Right. But I'm not going to take a chance. It wasn't, it, you know, if it was a prompt, steal the money from the register. I know that's not God. Okay. So I got a little bit of discernment. I'm like, I can figure out that's probably not God, but it, but it was that simple. Um, and, and so God interrupts things like that. God whispers little thoughts to, to breathe into the life of my kid for a statement. And so, you know, I'll, I'll d deliver that. And and I ask God for wisdom in the day, and then something happens, and I'm in a dialogue, and I think God whispered a thought. And so it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's dialogue, it's conversational. Um, Sounds like breathing, almost. It's, it, just it's, it's become that, and I don't think God needs a major introduction. I'm not in the middle of the day, drop to my knees, oh, Holy Father, in the <laughs> middle of a conversation with somebody. But there are times I'm sitting in a meeting, and I'm like, God, I, right now I am dull. Uh, would you uh, would you make me better at, in this moment to serve that person or I need insight or wisdom into something and um, you do you walk with him long enough in prayer in private um, you get a sense of the distinction of his voice everywhere else and if if you don't know it in the moment it's okay if, you, if it's a prompt for good just say yes you'll get used to it and and it'll make sense let me, take, let me take it one more layer in that vein. We talk about decision-making, and we talk about the big decisions in life. And I think in, in, the, in the campuses across this church, there are people who have big decisions. Maybe they're a student, maybe they're in college, and they're trying to decide on spouse sort of things. Maybe, do I buy this house? Do I take this job? Do I yeah. do this thing? And you know, we've heard your teachings for years, and there's moments where you, you take something before God, and God sort of, you believe God gave you a direction to go left versus right, red versus blue, pick it. How, how, what would you say about your relationship with God and how do you bring decisions before him and have him speak? We, we say that word speak yeah. into your life. Unpack that in your world, in your personal prayer life. Well, it's, it's mechanical and mysterious. If I, if I can just be really blunt, it's both of those. There's a process I go through and it's very intentional. And the beginning of the process is this. God, you said you would give wisdom, so I'm gonna take you at your word. If we would ask, you would give wisdom. I need wisdom in this. I want to know your will. So please give me your will and, and direct me in this. Now, I, I'll go to prayer on a, a daily basis, but as a rule, that might be 30 minutes to an hour uh, every day kind of time with the Lord, but I have concentrated times. So I usually have a time every week where I'm two to three hours in prayer, and I bring the weight of issues uh, to him in those moments, and I have agendas. And so I talk through the decision. And I'm, it might sound weird. I, like, I walk around, and I'm talking to him like I'm talking to you right now. Right. I'm like, okay, God, this is driving me nuts. I have no idea. Like, we were going to buy the property that this building is on. Right. And that took, that took me some months. And, God, I don't know what to do, and I need your leading. And so God leads through uh, circumstances. God leads through prayer with his voice. God leads through the word. So many times I'm reading in the Bible. That's part of it every day. And I'm saying, God, if there's anything in the word you can use. I'm not looking to get... 
to use the Bible to make something happen I want. I'm waiting before God and saying sometimes he'll use his word and he'll spark something and that'll be a way that God confirms something uh, in me. And then I'm in conversation with others. I'm like, God, use others. God uses the church to help you find his will. So, so I pray through those things on a regular basis. I have agendas in my prayer. Yeah. Like I, I journal almost every day and I have a prayer journal and I type it in and it's, it's every day has a date and I have journals going back 5, 10, 15, 20 years uh, in computer of prayers that were offered before. And you'll see agendas. So God, give me, give me wisdom. So it takes a collective of that coming together. Uh, and buying this property right here was an example of that. So, um, and I, my best sense was yes. <laughs> and everybody thinks, you know that for certain, 100%. Man, a lot of things, yes, but less than you think. Right. Most of them, I think it's mostly God. I hope I'm right. And when, then you just go after it. So when we hear you, when I hear you talk about prayer, it almost sounds like there's different kinds of prayer, like different modes of prayer. You mentioned a prayer agenda. You know, I know for me, 15 years ago, you probably remember this, maybe even closer to 20, I came to you, we sat in your car and I was like, you have something in prayer, you have something with God that I want. <laughs> and I said, so would you, it's kind of like what we're doing today. I was like, would you give me a little behind the curtain? What do you do? How do you get this intimacy that I see? And you, and typical Kevin, he looked back and he said, well, I'll tell you, but you have to promise that you'll do what I do before I tell you. I was like, okay, tell me. That's dangerous. Right. Well, I, I was ready. I mean, I want, that's the key, right? There was desire. Yeah. I wanted, but you, you began to describe this prayer agenda idea of crafting a bit of an organization of important ideas or important prayers that you could go back to. You're not trying to refine them. They're already there. That changed some things for me. I began to realize that there was di all kinds of different prayers, and that was one of them. And so I actually, I did incorporate the practice like you asked me to. But talk about that. I think it's important. I, I have... Uh, I probably have... Oh, let me see. I'm going to organize this and... Uh, I probably have worship prayers. Um, it's this way in my head. It's, it's going to sound hokey. I'll just say it anyway. I, I have worship. I have my walk with God. And I have my work. And work is the agenda stuff. Right. And, and I regularly have 10 minimum, but I have like top 10 prayers that I'm praying through this year. And things I'm asking God to do and that I'm working through and I need his wisdom and direction or his power and his presence over that. And it's very mechanical and I'm fully engaged with him. But I have a walking prayer and that walking prayer is very intimate. It's like my fears that I am not going to share right now. But uh, I got stuff I have to work through. And um, I think of it like this in my walking part with God. It takes my wife four times longer to get ready in the morning than me. I'm like, I'm a 15 minute guy. I'm up in the morning and when I, I can shave and, and shower and brush my teeth and get dressed and get my hair and get and move out the door and it takes her four times longer. Well, it takes me a long time to get my soul centered in God. Amen. And that's a walking and I got to get my soul centered or I'm going to do the day wrong. I'm going to do life wrong. And that's a walking piece. And then I have a worship piece. And the worship piece is I need lost time, and it's usually in music and in the word. And, and that's when the majesty of God has to rise above me, and it takes a while for me to get there. 
And I need those all working together cooperatively in my prayer life. And um, I don't know if that's what you mean yeah, by different by, by prayers. But I want to key on lost time. I mean, you say lost yeah. time. Lost time is that place where sometimes you know you have this long to pray. Lost time is more dedicated space where you're not prescribing necessarily how long it's going to be to talk about. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't tell anybody else how to, God goes solve that in their life. Right. I just know none of us have time and we're all busy. Mm-hmm. And um, I realize that my best um, moments in relationships are usually without a time boundary. So when Marsh and I go hang out and we're not watching the clock, Man, we have, and we have the best conversations. And when our family has a great time, it's when we go do something together at a park and there's no, you're not watching the clock. And so it, it, many years ago, God said, can we have moments where we quit watching the clock? I need lost time with you. You need lost time with me. And so I'll pick a day every couple of weeks. There's, and people say, I don't have time for that. Maybe you can do that because you're a pastor. Hey, maybe that's true. I don't know. Here's what I know though. Um, you can get out on a golf course you can binge on Netflix. We do lost time a lot of ways. That's right. And I figured out if God, if you want to find God, you got to seek him. He will be found, mm. but he is not found easily. Mm. And so if I'm not going to give him lost time, I'm not going to get lost in him. And so when I go give him lost time, uh, there is no time boundary. I don't have an agenda. Uh, I talk to him. I worship. I look, if you, in, I look dumb. I look foolish. Hands up, prayer, and I'm just, and I'm sometimes weeping, and sometimes I'm excited, and sometimes I'm praying stuff, and sometimes he interrupts, and that's how I got to my dad thing. I mean, he just, and then I wanted to stop that lost time. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going back and fixing that. So, so a lot of things happen in lost time that anchors all my other prayer times. Mm. But the I don't theme, even know if I'm making sense. But the theme, well, you are, because the theme is relationship. Just like any other relationship that we have in life, right? That there's a lot of facets to it. There's a lot of things that make it work. This is just relationship with God. And so if you, if you want it to work through prayer, you gotta, it's got to be well-formed, right? Multifaceted. And when it breaks down for people, this is too simplistic. But when it breaks down for me, it, prayer is mechanical, meaning it has structure, rigidity, discipline, and commitment. And it's mysterious. The majesty, the greatness, and the power of God. And I have never gotten to a place where God was manageable for me. And whenever I do, he reintroduces me to the mystery. Like, I, I obey God, and it blows up. And I look, I just look stupid, and I just, where was God? That's why I'm always tentative when I say in the church, oh, God led me, let's go do this. And then, like, a year later, people are like, doesn't look like God was in that. And I feel really dumb. I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I have the courage anymore to say God said. Uh, because he doesn't answer prayer all the ways I think. So uh, if your prayer is breaking down because you're lost in the mystical, put some mechanical to it. That's because good. there's guidance. That's and good. when you get so absorbed in the mechanical that you've lost the intimacy and the relationship and the emotion and the passion, you got to re-engage the mystery. Those two have to live together. And I know where I get broke at any moment and what to chase. I have to keep things simpler. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. Prayer's that simple. Let me, let me sort of lean into that vein. Because <clears throat> I think in a church this big, there's probably hundreds or even thousands of people that the, even the conversation about prayer is, is a weighty one. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get personal. You said we could. Uh, you lost your mom to cancer. Yeah. You were a pastor. You prayed for your mom. And God did not heal her this side of eternity. 
and we've done this long enough to have conversations with people that their prayer life has been broken almost. Why would I go back to God if I prayed and he, the one thing I asked in that season, heal my mom, he didn't do it. I would love to peel back the layer and how did that affect your relationship with God? How did that change your prayer life going through that season? Well, let me start by calling you a jerk for asking. <laughs> it's not the first time. Let me remind you, we probably won't be doing this again. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, as intimate as prayer is, it is God has been intimately disappointing. I have just as many times where God said no or wait or he said nothing which is the worst I have no idea what he's doing you can't get on stage on a Sunday and say hey by the way everybody this God we're all serving I find him highly disappointing <laughs> So I don't know about you, but for about a week or two, maybe the next month, I'm not going to be praying like I should. Can I just show up and be as, an, as disappointed with God as many of you are and not perform on a weekend and just say, this is not making any sense to me. And then I have to go to scripture because that's all that's left. I got no faith left to make me pray. So when things went poorly with mom, and God knew that I needed her in that time. So I thought I had something special with God. And he probably answered that prayer. And when he didn't heal her, he was kind. He wasn't silent. He told me he wasn't going to heal her. I knew him. I know her. He said, I'm not going to heal her the way you want me to. And that messed me up too. Because I quit praying for healing. But it disappointed me deeply. And he said, she, remember, I mean, this is what I sense in my spirit. Remember, she's my daughter. And I'm answering her prayers too. Mm, oh, wow. Your mom doesn't just exist for you. Mm. And she has always wanted to come to heaven. And she's had a really rough life. Oh, man. And I'm going to heal her. And you're going to have to get over that. So it was disappointing, but he was gracious in that. But the grief. So then I made a deal with God, which he broke. I don't know if you've ever made a deal. I made so many deals with God in prayer. And I'm, I don't even know why he doesn't listen because half of them are really good deals. And I'm willing to do my part. So it's just an exchange. And I'm like, God, okay, you can take her. So I gave him a date when he could. I know it sounds weird. Being honest, you I'm gave being, God a I, date. I gave God a date. I said, at least let her be at the grand opening of our first building. Yeah. She died like a week or two before that. 
I had to be gone from 12 stone the week before we moved in the building for her funeral. And I was so mad. I'm like, what kind of God does that? What kind of God? And we've worked for six years, and this place has sucked for the, oh, I can't say that. This place wasn't doing well. I got it. We got, we are not doing this again. <laughs> this place wasn't doing well for years. And the only one who believed was mom. Just let her be here. She wasn't. I thought that was, that was mean. And I got over it. You know, people say, oh, she's in heaven. She's looking down. And I appreciate that. I don't know. But that didn't make me feel better. Mm -hmm. My God, why couldn't you? And that's where the mystery comes. He is not manageable. No. This God will not come inside. You got your little box for God. If it doesn't get blown up, you're not praying. <laughs> if, you, if God's that clean for you. And so we quit praying because God won't get manageable. Not because God doesn't answer prayer. Not because God isn't powerful. Right. But because, because God won't be manageable. We right. think prayer is managing God. Right. Prayer is walking with God and yielding to the greatness of this God who is good whether you know it or not. Right. Whether you understand or not. Whether you see it or not. He's just good. And so you have to come back to the truth and get resettled in that. So talk for 60 seconds. There's a couple thousand 12-stoners maybe been through something like that. Mm -hmm. God didn't answer like they thought. They prayed for something and it didn't play out like they thought it would. What, what would you say to them in regards to their prayer life? What would be an encouragement saying, go do this, chase this, pursue that? What would you say to them? Sure, a couple things. First one is this. If you're disappointed with God, you don't have his perspective. Mm. So let that disappointment drive you back to prayer. And prayer is not getting something all the time. Prayer is getting God's perspective. And when you get his perspective, you see life differently. So the first thing is go get his perspective, and that takes a while. Secondly, trust his goodness. When he says in all things, he works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's not a scripture to quote. That's a truth to embrace. Mm -hmm. yes. And I have to get back to God is always good. I just can't see it yet. And I'm going to have to, tr if trust is going to exist, it's going to have to exist when I can't manage God and I can't see what he's doing. If you can't yield, then you never yield. If you can't surrender, then you never surrender. I think the world's got this idea that if, well, if you walk with God, your life's going to be awesome. No, sometimes it like goes the other way. Sometimes it goes badly. And in that, you have a peace that passes understanding. So you got to get into prayer so you can get the peace so it can guard your heart and mind. That's good. That's fantastic. Um, so we got a final question. And uh, as we go into it, you know, I just want to give you honor. I, if you could, you would. I'll just be the voice for everybody. I've watched you. This is real. You seek God. His voice matters. Your zeal for him 
seems uh, boundless. I watch you go again in another season. And that's why I knew getting you to talk about this was important. Because you have a life with God, and this is, we're not, when we gather here on Sundays, we're not talking about life about God. This is life with God, and you have one. So the last question, you're our pastor. You carry big things in your heart for the kingdom and for this church. So what are you praying for right now for 12 Stone? And then tagging on that, what do you believe would happen if thousands begin to engage the presence of God in prayer? I think a lot of people uh, dip their toe in the water of prayer and never jump in the deep end. And they benefit from people who do. But the beauty is when you jump in yourself. What do I wish would happen at 12 Stone? I wish there would be a movement of God in the hearts of people to jump into the deep end of prayer, to engage the mystery of God, not as a tool to get something from God, but as an invitation to the intimacy we were created for and walk with him and take all the worst of your fears and all the best of your hopes and all the wonderings of your life and all that's broken in you and all that seems beautiful in you and bring that all to God and do that communally, corporately, because we were created to pray together, and do that intimately on your own, and stumble into prayer with your spouse, and feel awkward, and just say, I feel dumb, but can we pray? And then stumble through a prayer, and you feel humble and inadequate, good, maybe you're entering the presence of God, and he can move on your family and your marriage, and sit with your kids and say, look, I, dad doesn't know how to pray really good, but I tell you what, God knows how to answer really good. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you today when you go to school. And I'm going to pray God helps you with this test. And you're in this dating relationship. I'm going to pray for that. And you're facing this decision. I'm going to pray God guides you. I want to encourage it. Like if we, if we would just jump in the deep end and do this. And then you say, well, what would happen? Man, I think the reason I said, Chris, would you go tell that story? Which preceded all of this interview stuff. So I got... You know, God, you know, I got sucked into stuff I didn't know was going to happen the day when I went after this, or I would have done it differently. But that said, that said, that story is powerful. Yeah. Man, when God is chased, he gets caught. God wants That's to right. be caught. That's right. But he says, chase me, because something happens in you. He doesn't need to be chased. He's right here. He's with you everywhere. Just acknowledge him and engage his presence. But if you don't chase him, something doesn't change in you. So you got to make you got to make the trade to buy the tapes. You got to put the the ten bucks in that buys the tapes. You got to go spend time with God. And when you do that, when all of us do that, if we would be rooted in prayer as a people, the freedom of God to unleash what He desires to do among us would be unprecedented. I don't think God's waiting in the halls of heaven. Well, I never intend to move again across this country. I think this country would see a revival unlike anything it's ever seen if the people of God would take it seriously, show up and pray. So we say, y'all, just gather and pray. You don't talk about it. You got to actually do it. And don't sit there in the inadequacy of I feel awkward. Right. I feel stupid. Yes. Well, I don't want to cry in front of people. Me neither. 
Well, I don't cry when I pray. Who cares? Well, I feel nothing. Then ask God. God, I feel nothing when I pray. Good enough. The thing God can work most with is humble honesty. That's right. Not performance. No pretense. That's good. All in, talk to God. See, because when you ask me that question, I've got no vision for what God has to do. I have an invitation from God. Yes. For what he wants to do. And if you won't accept the invitation and you don't show up, it never happens. I wish we'd all accept the invitation. And I wish I didn't have to try and, you know, I don't want to go motivate people or rah-rah people into prayer. When you figure out how to taste and see that God is good, when you taste it, we've talked about this, when you taste it, you're like, I want more. Mm -hmm. uh, how do I get back to that? I want that. That's right. Mm -hmm. So may we go get the more. I don't know, church. We got to be done and move on. Uh, that's it. You, we're done uh, with you guys uh, messing with me.